Sibling Seminar. I'm Dennis. And I'm Bonnie. And we are here to discuss our 50, number 59 in our Best Picture Countdown. Yeah, into the 50s. I know. We're like halfway there. So what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about Coda what from is? 2001. So the, so the last winner. 2002. 21. <laughs> 21. Yes. What did I say? 2001. Oh. <laughs> <That> wonderful year. <laughs> That's right. It was all great except for that terrorist thing. Okay. All right, no, 2021. Yes. So, <laughs> that's fine. What do you know about Coda going in? Going in, I, I'd never heard of it. Not even from the Oscars this past... Uh, no, I... August? I didn't. Uh, April? No, it's so funny. I never watched the Oscars. Oh, except for... Uh, uh, was this the one with the slap? Yes. Okay. I, <laughs> I did hear about the slap. Yes. I heard about the slap. I've seen the slap, right? Yeah. Um, so, and then I remember a couple of years prior where it was, it was March 27th, March 27th. Okay. Yes. I remember March. the slap and I also remember the Oscars where they, they gave, gave it to the wrong. Yes. That was. Picture. Yeah. So anyway, I don't Have we already La La talked Lynch, about that year? No. Well, that will be Moonlight. Oh, okay. We'll get to eventually. A Moonlight. Yeah. So other than that, I don't. It's interesting. I don't watch the Oscars, although this year I've already started to been thinking <laughs> about the Oscars. And yeah. I was going to ask you, when do they do the nominations? February. February. Oh, so that doesn't yeah. give you much time. Because I was like, oh, this year yeah. I might actually go see the movies. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So. So, anyways, yeah. So. Yeah. So I knew oh, nothing uh, about Coda. I hadn't never. Yeah. Um, never heard of it. Yeah, unfortunately for Coda, the most talked about movie with all the press that the Oscars got this year was probably had to do with G.I. Jane, the largest oh. movie in 1997. Yeah. Jimmy Moore movie. <laughs> That's right. Which but, I never saw that movie. Yeah. And so for any of our listeners don't know, I mean, this was a huge story. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, there was an altercation at the Oscars, this year's Oscars, where uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock after he made a joke about um, Will Smith's wife. And I it mean, was in if the I knew for, it, everybody oh knows Oh my it. gosh. This it's was, impossible not to know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this was a big story. So, you know, Coda's like um, out of left field win, surprise win, was kind of uh, didn't get that much press. So let's just go and see what the losers were. Yeah. And here we have Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli. Belfast. Coda. Don't look up. Drive my car. Dune. King Richard. Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley. The Power of the Dog. West Side Story. Yeah, so I actually didn't know. I knew some of them that were nominated because we had mm -hmm. talked about that. 
uh, some of the other ones I didn't know had been nominated, but I've actually seen a few of them. Okay. Yeah, I've seen. Well, Belfast I watched last week. Right. Uh, and that was because I knew it had lost to it. But I've also seen Don't Look Up. Okay. I saw that. That was an interesting yeah. one. Um, I didn't know it had been nominated, um, but I liked yeah. that. I like that movie. I did too. It was a bit, I don't, I don't want to say controversial, but I did. Uh, it was a little polarizing because of, uh, I think for some it was a little bit over over the top or on the nose with its messaging about mm-hmm. the, you know, asteroid. It's about a, a story yeah. satire about a asteroid that's going to hit the Earth and how um, the media and political and cultural establishments um, just don't kind of ignore the problem. And so it's it's, it's an obvious stand-in for climate change, but right. uh, that really didn't bother me. I thought that movie was very funny and yeah, a lot of too. great performances. Yeah, a lot of, um, let's see, uh, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep was the president. <laughs> She's great. I really liked... Um, Jonah Hill played kind of a Trump Jr. type character. Okay. I don't know if he was Meryl Streep's son or like yeah. one of the advisors, but every, he was really funny. Like yeah. Every time he talked. And, and, yeah, and I like it that. did have a point. I mean, it did. It had a, it had a, a fairly obvious point. Right. But I thought that the writing was really smart and, right. and uh, engaging and it was it was very funny. It's like when somebody gives you an analogy. They've got a something mm-hmm. there, a point they're trying to get across. So they give you an analogy. Don't you see? It's like this. But he gave, he gave a really whoever produced yeah, this. Adam gave, yeah, gave a really just painted the picture really well, and it. I thought it was pretty yeah. entertaining and a and a very funny. I mean, it was. Because it was satire, it was purposefully well, silly. Yeah, and there are obvious parallels to climate change, but also it was not just that. Because, right. You know, when the don't look up becomes like a mantra that everybody gets behind, it's, <laughs> there's also parallels with like, you know, COVID um, vaccine information and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, so. Right. And, and it I, really happens on both sides. Of the right. aisle where you get those kind of silly mantras and anyway, I yeah, I, also I enjoyed that movie. Uh, Timothy Chalamet was really funny, surprisingly, as this kind of uh, loopy, um, like the hippie type guy that comes towards the end. Yeah, just because it was just a different type of satire than we had been seeing up to that point. Yeah, um, and I just yeah. love the was it the scientist uh, the. Uh, the exas, you know, just being so exasperated that, like, why do you not, why do you not see this? Right. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So anyway, I I liked that movie. I didn't. I saw it a long time ago, actually. When it, yeah. Whenever it came out, I yeah, I think I don't think I saw it years. in the theater. Did it? Um, Did it go uh, straight to? I mean, in order to qualify for the Oscars, it has to play for, I think, two weeks, okay. um, which probably just did in New York and L.A. Um, mm-hmm. 
that I saw it when most people did when it premiered on Netflix. Yeah. In, okay, that's when I saw New it. New Year's. New Year's last year. Okay, that makes sense because yeah. I saw it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I saw that one. I also saw King Richard. Okay. Which I had forgotten because it's actually not about a king. It's about the... Um, <laughs> Richard Williams. Yeah, it's about the Williams sisters' dad. I, um, yeah, I don't know why I forgot that because that was why Will... Yeah, yeah. but the whole Will Smith thing, but he probably would have been there anyway. But yeah, I thought that was a good movie too. Uh, yeah, I'm less of a fan of King Richard personally. Well, you know more uh, about tennis. You're yeah, a tennis yeah. So that that affects a lot of it. It's it was just kind of strange how how much on the sidelines there's two of the most amazing athletes in the history of any sport. Yeah, and they're they're kind of you don't really see much of their personality. Yeah, and so much of the conflict of the movie was Richard Williams. Uh, the story is about Richard Williams, the father of Remus and Serena Williams, and his the improbable rise to excellence. But one of the through lines of the movie was that he was very insistent that they not play in the juniors because the it's just really a circuit where all you do is you're basically a professional tennis player as a kid than to have a normal childhood. And so he kept being told over and over again that that's not going to work for them. And so that's where I really think that we needed to see more of their personalities come through so that we see what the benefit, like why was he right about that? His only conflict that comes up is um, the big climax. There's a match with Arancha Sanchez Ficario, where, you know, the, I think mm-hmm. Venus is winning, but then Sanchez Ficario takes, like, an injury timeout to kind of throw her off her game. Mm-hmm. And it gets in Venus's head. Well, that's the kind of thing that comes from experience. In other words, that's kind of a case of why she probably should have been playing in the juniors. Mm-hmm. And as far as storytelling, I don't know why they chose kind of that moment. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem to thematically match up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the performances were great. I also really loved um, Anjanu Ellis as as Oracine Smith. Or, or Williams. Oracine Williams. Uh, oh, Richard's wife. wife. Yeah. What I liked about that is... Well, I mentioned before, I tend to like sort of the ones based on a true story, you know, where you just, I don't know what, I happen to like that genre, I guess. Sure. But I thought it was, um, yeah, it was interesting that it didn't really go into the two people that I actually knew things about, Mm -hmm. Venus and Serena, and instead it just focused on the atmosphere of them growing up and it, and it showed, you know, that it was, you know, this, um, you know, big family. Right. Yeah. It's not just the two of them. Actually, no, I didn't realize there's, there's five sisters family. and of course I have five kids. There's I'm one of five kids. So the I'm youngest. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, appreciated that, but also appreciate, I hadn't thought about really before seeing this movie of, how much of a rich kid sport tennis is. Very much so, And yeah. how difficult it is if you're, 
you know, you're not, if you don't have those resources. And I thought that it did a good job of showing a, a loving but very flawed and right father. And I thought Will Smith did a really good job of, right. you know, he's, He's got a plan, and I don't. And I don't know if the plan was a good one or not a good one, but he was very. You know, both the parents were very advocate for their kids, and I like how they played it. Yeah. You know, sort of worked together and didn't always agree. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, but um, but just that he was just really knew he had to advocate for them because the systems just stacked against them and anyway i i it was certainly a um yeah enjoy even though i know how it ends Mm -hmm. you know serena is like the best of all time but we thought that venus was going to be the best of all time yeah (laughs) no slouch i mean certainly not a disappointing career no she's one of the very best of all time too i just didn't know that anybody was going to surpass her and then then, like boom serena surpassed her and yeah so yeah, there, there's a lot. It's, I mean, it's really an interesting story. He's he's a fascinating figure. It's also a period in tennis where the tennis bad dads was a big story. Yeah, okay. you have with like Mary Pierce and um, Jennifer Capriati. So there were a lot of players that just had a really hard time with overbearing dads, and it was. I, you know, I just remember following tennis at the time that the Williams sisters came up. It was, people weren't sure where to put Richard Williams. Because you don't know what the home life is like. And he's just very... Present. He's very present, <laughs> right? So, yeah. So I, I think the... So I was kind of expecting maybe the movie to go there a bit more. I think Jennifer Capriati is in the movie. But kind of see that contrast between home life and, and what people go through on on the tour yeah yeah, yeah. but overall I, I thought that was um a good movie and um and then i the other one that i've seen is belfast yeah which i thought was wonderful i just saw that one last week yeah uh belfast is good it's, i really uh, like that movie yeah. i i appreciated so it gives the story of growing up in Belfast in the late 60s right. during the big conflict or the Troubles, I guess they call the it. The Troubles. The beginning of the Troubles. But I I really liked the um, how they tried to make it that from the child's, that little boy's perspective. Very much so, right. So, that, so, a lot, so some of the camera angles were, you know, very yeah. much from his... Point of view, and that first scene, or one of the earlier scenes, where they kind of descend these this mob descends on the neighborhood, right. and you remember they've got this. It's like spinning around oh, yeah. him, and so you're only seeing glimpses of the mob as you go yeah. around the circle. And uh, to me, I thought that was so effective because it was like it put. I felt like it put me in this little kid's head. Like, what's going on? I don't get what's going on. Things are spinning out of control. You know, it, it was just, I thought it was really effective for me. And and um, Adam and I, you know, watched it. And he the one thing that he said is, like, 
there was an unrealistic number of kids playing in the street at the very beginning, the opening scenes. But then I was like, that's probably also contributes to, that's probably his memory of this. You know, the little boy's memory is just kids everywhere. You know, when in reality, they're probably, you know, not everybody's out that much. But yeah, I, I thought the whole thing was really well done. Yeah, so it's like Kenneth Branagh is the director, and it's kind of a semi-autobiographical tale of growing up in Belfast. Yeah. Oh, and Judy Black Dench. And Judy Dench is in it. So Karen great. Hines plays his really grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of nuanced family mm-hmm. connection, you know, dynamics going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, with the parents. Kind of didn't know if they were going to leave, if they were going to get divorced. I, they were, you know, I, I don't know. I was interested the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, good movie. Um, so have you seen any of the others? Um, we started Dune, but um, we fell asleep. We were just really <laughs> tired. And we both fell asleep, and I haven't gotten back to it. Um, yeah. So, but it, you know, I mean, it looked like, it kind of reminded me of Star Wars, or at least the Yeah, first one. it's based on Frank Herbert's fantasy sci-fi series mm-hmm. uh, from, I think, the 60s. Really thought to be unfilmable. Uh, famously, David Lynch did a version in 1984, which was with David Bowie in it, which was a, really? big, oh, it was a big disaster. David know. Bowie. Yeah, David Bowie. He wasn't the star. He was, uh, uh, I don't even know. I didn't even know he was an actor. I've seen it. Yeah. No, he's been in a few things. Yeah? Yeah. Um, mostly fantasy. Or music videos. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of music <laughs> videos, too. Yeah. yeah. So it was just because there's a lot of world building and the exposition is very hard to do on the film to mm-hmm. explain what everything is. But this was directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve, um, who's... Probably most famous for Arrival and the Blade Runner 2049, the sequel to Blade Runner. Um, But, you know, very acclaimed director, and I think he does a good job of um, handling the exposition. So this dude was a big hit, just part one. Uh, The next part comes out in 2023. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'd like to get to it. I'd actually really like to read the novel I I haven't read the novel and Laura um, Laura was saying she she really loves the novel she liked the movie but she loves the novel um, yeah there definitely are a lot of social commentary I mean that's very kind of similar to dances with wolves just in terms of it's basically this desert planet has a resource that everybody wants and so there's a political fight for it but the the native population it becomes about them and their struggle with the outsiders coming in so mm-hmm. probably more similar to avatar but was avatars similar to dances of wolves uh but yeah I, I think that it handles these issues very intelligently but thoughtfully, yeah. 
Uh, just yeah. any of the others? Uh, I haven't seen any of the others. I, I've heard of West Side Story. I heard mixed reviews for West Side Story. Uh, did you? Yeah, yeah, so I'm interested to know what you heard. Yeah, this is a Steven Spielberg's adaptation. Of course, you've seen the right. West Side Story, which we'll Get talk to. about. I was actually going to watch this one again this week, but I didn't get around to it. I probably will. Maybe when we get to 61 West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Steven Spielberg directed this West Side Story. It really got terrific reviews. I, I enjoyed that. Oh, you lot. did? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go back and revisit it. Just because I haven't seen it once. It's just that that first time, especially being so familiar with the, the play and the previous movie, I'm just kind of thinking it in terms of oh, that he put the song here instead of there, and, and, and so, uh, right. you know, I'm kind of thinking about the mechanics of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but since I've gone back and rewatched, I mean, Steven Spielberg really is very talented in terms of just his visual storytelling. And, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a movie I'd like to revisit. Yeah. And I think, yeah, when we get to West Side Story, I think we should watch both versions. Okay. What, what did you hear negatively about Do you remember? Um, I think I read an article in The Atlantic, to be honest, yeah. that was not positive about it at all. It was very negative. But oh, okay. it was a while ago. Yeah. And so... Uh, drive My Car, I don't know what drive that's about. Drive My Car was... Um, that's a Japanese movie. Mm-hmm. Directed by uh, Raisuke uh, Hamaguchi. Don't know. Uh, yeah, he was having a year. He also had a yeah wheel wheel of fortune and fantasy. It was a, actually a pretty big hit, um, both in twenty twenty one. But yeah, drive my car was kind of a, a con film festival hit. It ended up winning the New York and Los Angeles Film Critics Awards, and um, it was kind of a surprise. Oscar nominee, although most movies that win in New York and LA film critics will get on the list. So, but it was kind of on the fence just because it's you know it's a three-hour Japanese movie. It's um, a movie about grief, coping with grief. Wow. It's um, yeah, the uh, main character his uh, what. His wife dies. Um, actually, shortly after he 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 finds out that she's having an affair, and he doesn't know how to handle it, how he wants to handle that news, and but she passes away before he, she knows that he's found out. So it kind of adds to his grief, and he kind of works through his grief while he's putting on a production of Uncle Vanya. In Hiroshima, wow. and uh, this has a kind of a a burgeoning friendship with the the uh, driver. He also has glaucoma, so he, he can't drive, and so they have to okay. hire a driver to drive him along. So okay. it's it's a wonderful movie. It's but it's a yeah, it, it's for a lot of audiences. It's it is kind of a slow burn. Okay. I I love it, but it's it's not. It's not the sort of thing you expect to catch on, like, like. But yeah, that's that's drive my car. Okay. Um, 
I love it. If, if you are in the mood for a three-hour Japanese <laughs> movie about grief, then yes. I would highly recommend that it. That sounds right up Adam's alley. <laughs> uh, well, if you're up for a great movie and Adam's up for a three-hour nap. <laughs> yeah, so then going to this little licorice pizza you did not see. Uh, no, I've never heard, never heard of it. Of it. Uh, yeah, that's a... mystic pizza. No, this is licorice pizza, which um, I, I found out is the uh, kind of a 70s name for a uh, record, a vinyl record. Oh, okay. Because it's black oh, and round yeah. like a licorice pizza, and its initials are LP. Oh. So okay. this takes place in the Valley, San Fernando Valley, mm-hmm. in the 70s. It's kind of a series of vignettes. It's the basic storyline is uh, this uh, 25-year-old woman who's kind of just aimless, working odd jobs, uh, has a friendship with a precocious 15-year-old boy who's um, just kind of a, ahead of his years. He's a former child star that's, you know, kind of used to acting like an adult. And it's kind of about their friendship, but mostly just a series of events. For a lot of people, they find it kind of meandering. It does. It did seem to be kind of polarizing. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that um, just the... I think the vignettes added up to a real kind of stunted adolescence it's a really keen portrait of these two characters and, and the side the side characters that uh, adults that factor in are really have just as much trouble with their growth too but I, I really like like her speech that's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson um, it's a, a very much an acclaimed director of Boogie Nights uh, master there will be blood uh but yeah that's just kind of a 70s comedy nightmare alley is the last no nightmare alley and we haven't talked about power of the dog yet right yeah you haven't seen either of those no i haven't heard of either of them oh okay uh nightmare alley is a remake of a 1940s kind of film noir film noir horror movie about a, a carnival a traveling carnival show and and this kind of uh, creepy guy who, who has a dark past gets involved and, and uh, learns how to read people's minds and be a mesmerizer. Um, oh, so if this had won, then yeah. then this would be the horror movie that we would look to for. Yeah, it probably would. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about uh, that before. How yeah, I think right so far, Hamlet, Hamlet is the most horror was, movie. Yeah, yeah, this but would this would be, be okay. Yeah, I don't think it was even close to winning. It was probably the one of the last movies to get in the nominations. Okay. I think it wasn't. It got mixed reviews, and I did not like it last year. Um, I actually rewatched it last Friday, and I, I, I got quite quite a bit more out of it. Okay. So, yeah, it is a pretty good movie. It's directed by Guillermo del Toro, who's coming off an Oscar win for The Shape of Water. 
his last movie in 2017, which won Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, we covered it in our Worst of the Best okay. Part 2. So, uh, I think that finished 70... Do you remember 73? <laughs> no. It did. Okay. You mean, no, you don't remember. But no, I don't no, remember. I'm disputing that it was... I'm not disputing. <laughs> okay. I'm not disputing. Yeah. Um, I just have no recollection. That's all blur. Yeah, so Nightmare Alley is kind of um, a trippy little carnival movie. Uh, William Defoe is in it. Uh, Bradley Cooper is the lead. Yeah. It sounds terrifying. Keep the chat. And The Power of the Dog. You haven't heard of that? No, it's I haven't heard a, of it. Um, it would be called a revisionist western or a, a, maybe a feminist western. It's directed a by... feminist western? Well, it's directed by Jane Campion, who's okay. famous for the... The piano, most of all, but usually she's a New Zealand director who's known for very feminist dramas. Okay. Uh, but this movie is about a very macho cowboy played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I know. Very him. much a, kind of a Sherlock Holmes. Yes, he did play Sherlock Holmes. He's also Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. He's kind of the almost say the embodiment of, of toxic masculinity, and okay. he, he runs a ranch with his brother. The brother ends up marrying a widow who has a uh, a son who's just very much um, I don't know, but he, he's kind of effeminate. He's he's he likes artistic things. He mm-hmm. wants to become a doctor. He's very much a different uh-huh. type of person. So the movies kind of about the Cumberbatch's character's conflict first with that wife um, played by Kirsten Dunst and the the boy played by Cody Smith McPhee doing a wonderful performance and I I just I really love Power of the Dog I thought that was a fascinating western and I love that how that relationship developed between the kid and, and the um, Cumberbatch character. Uh, I, I've talked to a, a few people who just feel like it was the toxic masculinity stuff was a bit too on the nose. It didn't bother me. And, By too on the nose, meaning too like like it's bashing stereotypical. Yeah. Or, yeah. But yeah, I, I really like the power of the dog. Okay. But uh, that was. Probably the front runner. The front runner kept changing, which is um, probably why you end up with a fairly surprising winner in Coda. Um, which which were what were the to. what were the front runners? Power of the um, Dog. Power of the Dog. Belfast. Uh, West Side Story was. There was probably like a week there where it's like, oh, we're going to have another a, oh, a Best two, Picture winner yeah. that's a remake of a Best Picture winner. But then it just was a real flop when it opened, really surprising. Uh, but the reviews were wonderful. It made a lot of 10 best lists. Okay. So it was... What's a 10 it, best it, list? When, at the end of the year, critics put out their 10 oh, best lists. Oh, of that year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just kind of like... Uh, a front runner would come out and then just kind of fade up, fade away. Okay. I think the power of the dogs problem was 
the Netflix release where because Netflix is just very much content oriented so it's like if something's playing in theaters for two months people will talk about it for two months it premieres on Netflix it'll stay on there forever but people are only really talking about it you know by the next week it'll fall off their front page and right so it's very much Netflix is is Mm -hmm. very churny yeah. So it's just, it doesn't stay in the conversation that long. Yeah. So I think that's also the problem Netflix has had with the Oscars, with, uh, you know, they've had it before with um, Mank in 2020. Is, is The Power of the Dog a Netflix movie? or? Yeah, Netflix bought it. So that's, oh, uh, you know, we're see. kind of in the middle of the streaming story and don't know what the next act's going to be. Yeah. Where it's going to, the industry will come out. Some different form. It's hard to tell mm-hmm. what's. Do you happen. think these movies? So these all came out and, or mostly came out in twenty twenty one or early twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh, still having COVID issues. When did the theaters yeah. open up? The theaters opened up around. Well, states were different. Like yeah. Coda actually, when it played in theaters, theaters were closed in. New York and, and California still. Um, right. So that was, yeah. Because I remember you driving to Las Vegas to see a movie. Yes, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, I saw a few. Uh, this was um, uh, Nomad, like, yeah. It's, um, okay, the year the before. The year before. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, there's still, like, I have uh, people been studying, like, why West Side Story was such a flop at the box office and. It's hard to tell whether it's just that there's no theatrical market for adult movies anymore, or but it's hard to say that because Elvis was a big hit this year. So, you know, again, there's like some next act to this story that we just don't know mm-hmm. yet. But yeah, Coda played at Sundance uh, at the festival. Apple Plus bought it for $25 million. Um, they had a small theatrical release and then most people can only see it through Apple Plus. That's how I saw it. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I, I just don't know what the second act is going to be because I just, I, I just don't like, what is that 25 million? Do do they get that much in new subscribers for people wanting to like? It's so much easier on a box office model to just see. Okay, it made this much in theaters, and this was the cost, and so whether mm-hmm. this was worth it or not. And it's like, yeah. I, I don't know what what this twenty five million. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the economics of it, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll see. Um, I think it's. My experience with Apple Plus is a little bit less churny than Netflix because they'll like keep Coda up, you know, as one of their prestige things when you search for movies rather than. Oh well, yeah, because Netflix they paid twenty five million for it. Yeah, <laughs> and they did that. I'm kidding. They seem to have a much smaller library too. Than, and I, I don't know how this whole all the streaming stuff yeah. is going to work because it's. Uh, Getting to be more expensive than cable. <laughs> yeah, up. to keep up with all of yeah. them. Anyways, what's Coda about? Coda is about a 
hearing girl in a deaf family. So both parents are deaf and her older brother is deaf. And yeah, so it's about she's in high school. So it's a coming of age movie about a girl in a deaf family. Okay. Yeah. Is there more to it than that? No. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so what are your thoughts on Coda? Well, yeah, as I said, we had, I'd never heard of it. My husband never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, also, Laura was with us. I'd never heard of it. So the three of us sat down to watch it. And I got to tell you, we were like, I don't know, a half hour into it. And it probably not very long, although it kind of felt long. But, uh, and just so confused, you know, because sometimes it takes a little while to get a movie going. But anyway, in this one, it's just like, I think Adam said it first. He's just like, this seems like a back-to-school special. And, really? Yeah. And then, and then we couldn't unsee that. And then it it just, it was like, okay, it's going to it's gonna get going here. This is, it's going to take some sort of a turn. But it never took a turn. It was just like, it stayed in that mode and... I'm, we, it almost became a joke, like partway through, as a matter of fact, just to, just to, I mean, it was a sweet movie about a sweet mm-hmm. family, and I like the family interactions and stuff, but, you know, I, I like the interactions in High School Musical, too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I couldn't believe right. how much this was like High School Musical, so I, I'll be yeah. honest, we, partway through, I'm like, Oh, I know you could, it was like, here's what I think is going to happen. And I pray that it won't fall along this, you know, and it, it'll, it'll surprise us. But if it keeps in this after school special, here's, you know, Adam had a prediction and I, it was part of our game. Oh, and I forgot, I took notes actually. Oh, I forgot my notes. But anyway, my prediction was, uh, she's going to be in a concert Mm-hmm. And she's going to see her parents, and she's going to see that they look lost. And so then, partway through her song, she's going to start signing it, so that it'll mm-hmm. and it'll be this big emotional moment. I pray that doesn't happen, <laughs> but I can. It this is like spoon feeding it to me that this is going to happen, like in High School Musical. And so it was so. It, we did like high fives every time one of the our predictions happened. His thing was, he was like, oh, what the mom called the hearing bitches. I don't mm-hmm. know if we're allowed to say that, but the, you know, the women that could hear that were like very catty. And the mom, you know, was like there. Anyway, and Adam was like, oh, here's what's going to happen. It's going to resolve in a way that we don't see it. And then they're all going to be best friends. So it was like another high five when that, the moment that that happened. So <laughs> I have to say... There's nothing offensive about this movie. It's fine to watch. It it's just was. Uh, first of all, I take back everything I've said about Titanic, because ti- I give Titanic a hard time. Like yeah. why? But it's a million times more deserving of an Oscar than Coda. Now I do have to say the other thing that we did partway through is we're like this must be a joke. Like what? Why would this win Best Picture? Because yeah. we're watching this knowing this is a Best Picture winner. Yeah. And yeah. it was just like, 
And I knew Marley Matlin. Right. And I've liked her in um, West Wing. the West Wing. Right. But I've seen her in other things, too. But so the West Wing, I know her. She's very enjoyable, the family. And so we were like, the only thing that makes sense is that the other actors must also be deaf. And that right. this is a diversity thing. So we Googled it, and it yeah. is true. So I'm... We could predict that watching it. Like, mm-hmm. why else? I don't know. So sorry. I don't know. Do you love this no, movie? That's okay. <laughs> I just, no, this I, is good because we haven't had a disagreement in a while. I actually yeah. liked it better this time. It's what? What uh, is no, it? I mean, it's certainly a very conventional movie. It's not. I but, mean, it's predictable. Like, I, certainly. Yeah, the writing, it's like high school oh, musical. Well, I haven't seen High School Musical. It's the same thing, only it's about theater. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) There are certainly... The the thing is, there's the universal elements, and then there's the very specific elements. Okay. And what I appreciated this time was all of the more conventional moments are very much rooted into very specific experiences of these characters so for example like a universal like parts about high school bullies you know we've seen that a hundred times lots of people have been bullied yeah but the aspect of having been bullied because you talked funny for the first few years because the you know it's very specific to being raised by people who can't hear Right. Right. The first part where you have her relationship with Miles and, you know... Miles is the other boy, like the love interest? Yes. Yes. Uh, So Miles is... You get to the point in in all of these movies where, you know, there's going to be a spark and then something's going to move them away from it. And so usually it's a misunderstanding or something. Right. But in this case, I think it's just very believable. See, I found that very that, unbelievable. Which part? Their their conflict there. Why? But why did you find it believable? Well, because the the way it was depicted, you know, you can see how she would react when people are laughing at her parents oh for sure i could see that the part that i found very unbelievable is they portray him as this sincere kid and they also when they get together and 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 it's it kind of portrays her as having always admired her i mean that's why i mean they show her singing on the boat to begin with right but like but that but the singing doesn't become a prominent place in this until she sees, you know, they're, everybody's signing up for mm-hmm. what to do, just like they did in Legally Blonde. Right. But anyway, they have a scene in Legally Blonde where everybody decides what clubs yeah, to be in. But anyway, and then he says he's going to be in choir. So then she's like, okay, I'll do choir. Right. And then her best friend is like, choir? Yeah. Like, you've never been interested in choir yeah. before. But anyway... So that's, you know, that that's part of my, but but whatever. So yeah, well, so she's they go in there. In she's him, so. she's go she's going because she's interested in him. Yeah. And then they and they portray him as this really 
um, kind of kind, sincere guy. And he talks about when she was talking about having been bullied as a child, he tells her how much he admired her, you know, and he explains the um, seeing her in a they were out at a at a restaurant or something. And then as a young child, she's like doing everything for her family. Right. So she's like interpreting for everybody. And he was just like, wow, look at what she can do. And he was really impressed. Right. Right. And then like the next scene, they, you know, and then while they're at the house, then they, the parents don't know their home because I guess they can't hear them. And so they can hear the parents Mm -hmm. uh, engaging in marital relations in the other, yes, in the other room. We can go back to that part, but well, but so much to go back to this one. Well, I do think it's yeah. a it that's kind of an unrealistic scene that follows there, but anyway, you think so? Yes, I do. Like, why would you not just if you hear your parents in the other room, why wouldn't you just be like, okay, that why does it take a have the parents and the two of them sit down and have a discussion about it? Like, in what scenario would that happen? You'd just be like, okay, let's pretend we didn't hear that. Let's go downstairs. Let's go somewhere else and then, you know, go away. But instead, it's like this family discussion about it, which is just really weird. Like, nobody, nothing gets resolved in the family discussion. And No, because she's embarrassed. I mean, I think that the, the, the... Quirky parents is a convention, but I think it's very. I like the quirky parents because it makes sense because they don't have a community other than each other, so they're right. not they're not involved in the community, and yeah. people in that situation are not accustomed to the normal social cues, so they're a little bit socially awkward, right? They yeah, have some sh- best friends, but they only see yeah. them once a month. Yeah. Which I have no idea if how that really goes because yeah. I didn't grow up in a deaf family, but she's knows social cues and you know maybe they have no social cues. That seems a little rude to believe of people who are deaf because you're deaf, you have no social cues. But I just didn't no, understand. No, 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 not because you're deaf, you have no social cues. Because you're not in the situation. Yeah. We have people who don't have friends. Yeah. You just have your partner and your family and you're kind of isolated from yeah. the larger social environment. You right. don't care. Yeah. Because you don't hear the people laughing at you too. And right. that's part of where. Right. But she does hear that. Right. Right. So I'm. we don't know how they end up in this, in taking more awkward in this family. But whatever. Yeah. So they take bit. this nice kid who just is doing whatever. Yeah. But then the very next scene, it's. He has told a whole bunch of people. And it's just How like... How do you know he told a whole bunch of people? Well, he at least told one person. Right. Yes. Well, he well, at least, well, that's right. his story. Yeah. He at least told one person. Yeah. Right? And it's just like that, you know, he should have social cues. And really, that's what you're going to do? Oh, see, we're gonna, I think that's we're, so believable. Do you? Oh, I thought I, that Haven't you ever been in a situation where it's like you have something... 
that you're just like, okay, I probably shouldn't tell somebody, but I'm going to tell my best friend. And like, you tell him and, and, and you get to this point where it's like, oh no, he's, he's not going to hold this in. Like he, he doesn't understand and he's going to go off and he's, he, he, he doesn't see her as a person, but just as this person yeah. as this caricature i i mean i totally believe i that, don't know and it was that. all centered on this you know it's because your parents were having marital relations and then he's saying yeah. it makes him sad because his parents don't get along i don't know. i just thought that whole thing right. was so well that's his story i mean we don't you don't yeah. even know he could have gone straight to the mean girls and talked to them but it's one of the things i like is it doesn't absolve miles i mean we're in ruby's position really where we right. just have to believe his right. his version of the story right right we don't get to see where it's like you, right. you see him talk to the friend and see that it's, it's really right. just this innocent thing yeah you don't you but, don't see that you see that and then the resolving of it is like nothing but you don't think that's like, believable where like you tell like here's your what best I, friend something that here's you what don't, I, here's what i was having trouble right. with they show this guy as, and I know characters are nuanced. These characters had shown no nuance up to this point, but like, or at least his character, right? Well, I mean, he's a minor. He's a minor right. character. Yeah. That it goes from like this, which should be a fairly mild thing, is like I can think of so many ways of getting, you know, you just go downstairs. Just don't make a big deal out of this. Don't, why do you have to go knock on your parents' door? And say, she, because she's the one with the social cues. Yeah. Why does she have to go knock on her parents' door and say, you need to stop this right now and come yeah. down and talk to us? I didn't, that didn't make sense to me. If she's a, an embarrassed teenager, yeah. like you just, let's, let's pretend like we didn't hear it. But anyway, we go from this. Well, she just reacts. I mean, yeah. that's probably, she, she might say later, I wish I, I've yeah. done that differently. No, I, I get it. I, I just think didn't... That it's, I think you're underselling this. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I have to I watch know. it We're again. We're going to be talking 20 minutes about... And really, this is like probably... I to rank this 8th, 7th, or 8th out of this list. But anyways, um, <laughs> I think you're underselling it because I like the, that scene where that happens. I think, you know, really... I, I just... I love how she uses their positioning, like within that bedroom that she has with the slanted ceiling. So, you know, you kind of feel her being kind of trapped in this awkward situation. Just where go downstairs. She's nervous. No, before that <laughs> happens. But that's that goes to her state of mind. She's already really nervous. She can't look at him. So they're going back. Back to back, and right. she likes yeah, yes. this guy, and this is I probably like that part. their I first that conversation that she's having with this uh-huh. guy, and it's going well. Yeah, and then her parents, you know, just on cue every time my parents are ruining my life, and she just reacts in that moment. And so maybe the the rational thing to do is to say, "Hey, Miles, just just leave. We'll go." But or let's that's go downstairs. Fine. Well, they do go downstairs. Well, I know, but after she goes and knocks on their door. But anyway. There's a little knocks on their door, but whatever. Yeah. And then they talk, and... But then I... But <laughs> such an odd scene. Well, it is an odd scene. It is an odd scene. But I think and that I that's And I like the where, dynamic of the family. I thought the well, dynamic... The family was very and, delightful. And we should say, this is for 
sibling cinema. This is really our first brother sister <laughs> relationship, right? It's that we have. Um, the only other one that we've talked about is Ophelia and um, Laertes. Okay. In, in yeah. Hamlet. Which, I thought the brother sister yeah. relationship was was the best part of the movie. Well, well also the, the other the, family parts, the father yeah, daughter, and that's what I think the mother daughter. I, I liked and, all of those. And here's and. Right, and I think what we're getting, one of the problems that we have, and especially since we're going through this as a list and as a list of award winners, <laughs> is that when you're talking about movies and relationships, whether how something should rank or, or whether it should have won or shouldn't have, I think you need to first get the the thing on its own terms first before yeah. being comparative. Right. So I think which I, I definitely tough. didn't do. You know. Right, and it's hard. You know, I did see it for the first time as not even an Oscar nominee, mm-hmm. or just as a potential nominee. Yeah. It's so a, it's, it's a sweet movie. Right. It's a sweet movie. So I think that you know, I, and I think you saw it on the clip. She's really excited when she won. I think yeah. it does the movie no favors in the long No, I, I don't. Because, but, yeah, I, but I think that's a different conversation is whether it should have won with whether it's it's a good movie. Where, But, I, but I, I, I think underselling how specific this movie is and 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 when you say these people aren't nuanced it's not just the experience of being deaf but i've never i've never thought about the experience of being a hearing person in a deaf family but mm-hmm. not just that but what it, then what it's like to be the deaf mother of a child who can hear what right. that's like what it's like to be the older brother. And mm-hmm. and I think that there's some restraint in how these shoes drop so that by the time we get to the mother's story, we're kind of seeing it as this very conventional follow-your-dreams type of story from the daughter's perspective so that it does kind of come as a surprise when Marley Matlin goes to her room and they have that really honest heart-to-heart about yeah. when she was born. Yeah. So I agree with I agree with all of that. I just mm-hmm. think whoever, I don't know who comes up with, who's in charge of, first of all, dialogue, which was very, not very intricate. Even the, you know, and I don't know, maybe it's more intricate if you know sign language, but, but the well, subtitles that they had on there is was just very simplistic and maybe that's part of it maybe it's because you're doing it as a translation it's supposed to be so we'll i'll take that part out of it right but like why do you have to ruin the movie with making it you take all the things that you've talked about are very delightful and they make the movie very watchable why do they have to ruin that movie with all the other parts that it's just like you're not even trying you're just doing oh, I think it's, it's everything. Wait, 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 wait. Because first of all, what's following it. her dreams? She didn't yeah. even, she's partway into her senior year and it had never occurred to her. That's hardly a dream. And then right. it was only but, when this completely over the top, you know, music teacher is like, I'm going to get you into the, Marlo. yeah, into the um, Berkeley School of Music. And I mean, really, somebody who's never been involved in music at all is right. is it that simple to get into berkeley 
I'm sure it can't be. I mean, I know of Berkeley, and I know what our... How simple is it to just get into Harvard Law School because your boyfriend dumps you? So I think that no, I think this is that's a great example. If I had been watching Legally Blonde, knowing that it had won Best Picture, I would be like, (laughs) "Well, come on, come on, right, come on, people, is this a Best Picture winner?" Um, I think it's in the. I I think it's kind of in that range, but at least Legally Blonde (laughs) is you know like nobody's pretending that it's the most artistic but it's very entertaining so yes i think this movie for me it was completely colored by the fact that i went into it as an oscar winner especially having seen some of the other ones like it uh, come on this was just a diversity thing no it's not just a diversity thing it's not just no it's not because there's a lot more specific here to these there's a lot of empathy towards these very specific deaf people and you know when we talked about the mother but then really the the brother you know he's just kind of jealous the whole time and has a chip on his shoulder but then we really kind of figure out why yeah is and it's really kind of understandable that he wants to be the one to help the family this is right. what he wants to do she's better suited to it just because she can hear but he that doesn't mean he can't do it. And, right, but we've and already they've established. Become just, they've become dependent on her. Right. And so, but that's what I think, that's where I, I, I think that all of the conventional elements are so tied in to what's very specific to these characters that it does grow. You know, you have that scene with Miles where... It's not really a misunderstanding. I mean, he he does what he did, and all we have is his word, just like she does. So we go from that scene with Miles to the first time we hear both sides now, which is the, the right. great Joni Mitchell song. Great it's song. Really a, a terrific song. But it's about being kind of stuck in your own subjectivity. Right. And it's not a subtle point that they're making. Right. No, it's not a subtle point. He sees both sides, right? No, it's not a subtle song, but it's a terrific song. It's a beautiful song. Because we do experience the world through our own subjectivity. Yes. And we need to, and it's very difficult to see beyond it. Yeah. And I think that's what the movie's ultimately about because when things start to change is when you have that conversation with your mother where she. Who's experienced life as a child of death and all, that's what Coda means. Right. When she starts, we see it from a different side, from the mother's side of um, what it was like to have a baby mm-hmm. who can hear. Right. And, you know, that ties into all the stuff that she experiences with the hearing women. Right. Uh, she that, certainly that has all a of a sudden disappears at the end, and we don't. Well, well, have any... get to the, maybe <laughs> okay. it does, maybe it doesn't. We don't know. Um, well, they portray it as it does. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But then you go from that to a series of, of opening up because she goes from that to talk to her brother outside by the shore, where she kind of sees things from his point of view, and she has a nice talk with her dad on the. Um, 
in the pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And she's she's coming to a point where she can let go or not burden herself with uh, my I'm I'm the one who has to solve it because what happens when she's at the audition and she's singing a song when she gets to the third verse on the word dreams we go into a montage while she's mm-hmm. singing where she you know envisions herself winning the scholarship and telling the teacher and she sees them getting the um, helper on the boat. And oh, you're saying think, that's all a dream? See, yeah. That's what she's imagining in the moment while she's doing that song, while she's feeling it through her music. She's envisioning things working out, from the things that she's working, that, that she mm-hmm. has anxiety about. She's mm-hmm. seeing, okay, my mom is is dealing with them and she's friends with them. The, my things are, are going well with Miles and I'm teaching him sign language and he doesn't want me to run off with a cello player. And so I think the movie's ambiguous that that this stuff actually happens, that she did get into the school or, or all that, or is that just what the, when she's envisioning happiness or she's envisioning a new step because the first thing when you trying to get yourself to make a big step in life and mm-hmm. uh, you kind of have to envision it right and that doesn't mean that everything's going to happen exactly that way but you have to see that things can turn out all right in the end and I think that that montage ends where she sees herself and Miles saying are you ready and then jumping off the 40 foot cliff and so, you know, there's a couple ways of reading it as, as these things actually That's a did happen. back. Didn't that yeah. thing had already happened? They already had their day in uh-huh. the... And then it's part of the montage, too. Right, Apparently okay. they go back. Or she's uh-huh. them going back. All we see after the audition, mm-hmm. after she's had that spot, the only thing we see is the scene where she's actually going off where she's leaving town there's no miles is not there to see her off mm-hmm. she's going with gertie who's definitely not going to berkeley right maybe she's going to boston and they're just driving together but right. you don't there's nothing to either contradict or reinforce the things we saw in that montage so i don't see that and i watched it several times okay and we go to the montage on the word dreams in that third verse okay so I see that as mostly. I had not considered she's, that, that, that she's one. envisioning all the problems that she's anxious about getting resolved, uh-huh. and so it's not just that these things magically disappear. It's that she feels okay. I I can I can make this jump, and you know maybe Marley Matlin doesn't make friends, but. You know, when she has to rely on these other women, they probably will get to them. Yeah, and maybe she goes to a different school or whatever, or maybe she goes there or she doesn't. Yeah. Well, that's much deeper than I was still in. um, So, I don't know. I mean, it is a conventional movie. Yeah, I mean, even even the whole, you know, they've got a, the one day she doesn't go, 
the inspector comes on the boat and then the dad yeah. who has been in fishing all his life and mm-hmm. they don't explain why they're so dependent on their daughter because she's their youngest. Right. Presumably they were able to function in the world before she was born, but yeah. they're f- helpless now. But anyway. But well, that the, was 16 years. A lot's gonna, yeah. We know his dad was fishing. Maybe he was still alive then. And yeah, they were just, maybe. You know, yeah. We don't know. You know, we don't know. Yeah. And I don't know. I have no idea what it's like for, I mean, I imagine it's very difficult, but they portray them as pretty helpless. But anyway, the one day she decides to skip is the yes. day that the inspector's going to go on the boat. Mm-hmm. And then somehow the dad who's been fishing his whole life doesn't know that it's a requirement to have somebody hearing on the boat. And like, what was their, what was their plan for? And he just lets the inspector come on and then the inspector figures it out. And then the Coast Guard boards their fishing boat, which is very unrealistic. And anyway, and then they have that whole you know, see. Well, I don't board a fishing boat if you're not ret- responding to your radio. No, no, probably not. I mean, yeah, you have to do that, but whatever. Yeah. You know, they've made that, and I understand. You, you know, they got to dramatize these. Um, yeah, I these, mean, I think they've got to dramatize these the ocean police. And they've got to dramatize these scenes and and all of that, but you know, and that's not that's not the fault of this movie. But really, the dad had no idea that he had to have a hearing person on there. So it's just like this, I don't know. It's, again, yeah. super hard to, like, really, you're you're that helpless that you didn't know? Like, you couldn't have just said, she's not coming, we can't go out today because we don't have a hearing person on here? Like, when you have an inspector on your boat, you're going to yeah, uh, risk uh, everything? The inspectors were new, so I don't know that he knew that they, he didn't go out, he shouldn't have. And, you know, they have yeah. an argument about it ahead of time a- afterwards yeah. where, you know, it was kind of her fault and she didn't want to yes. put it on her. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a conflict. It was, yeah. you know, it's not the inspector's fault. It's their, it's not the it's inspector's the family's, fault. Right. It's a family issue and there are yeah. issues in the family. And again, it's like, yeah, but, it, but she it's, just, she just ghosted them. So he's their... She ghosted them, but they're also portraying this teenage girl who presumably yeah. goes to school all day long. Yeah. They show her getting up no, at 3 a.m. Right. to she go was, fishing every day. She's got to get homework done, and she's she in the like choir, fish. and she yeah. is doing this. And, yeah, she's coming and her parents, home. who are these great people that you know, are, are show this great stuff, and nobody stops and thinks like, Maybe this is hard for her to keep up. Even yeah. the even the the music guy, they've got, you know, he's like, you can't be late. If you're late once, then you're out. And oh, the whole thing was was no, well, just. I mean, I think he said set up. He's doing this on his time for free. Yeah, he's doing this on his yeah. time, and, and he doesn't. Like, she never. But come on, if know, if, if he had doing this with... if he had known, like, the reason I didn't go is because. My, you know, this, I have to go with my parents to this thing because we're going to lose our lifestyle. They're going to go well, to Well, that's why she should have called instead of texted because then you can see that over the phone better. Right. 
Or but you still, even tell him afterwards. You know, it's just like, I don't... Yeah. All right, I'll listen. Home. I'll watch it again. No, you don't and have to watch it. Again. No, what about my point is, it's, it's not even that you have to like it or, or, or not. I mean, it's, it's not fun. that I didn't like it. It was fine. It was just like, I was very predictable. Yeah, I didn't mind that it was predictable because I just thought it was very empathetic and it was very specific to, you know, the, I see a lot of high school movies, but not a lot of movies about. You know, again, it's it's not just an insight into a child of a deaf adult, but a deaf adult with children. There's a lot of 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 layers to the perspectives that we get in this movie that I think are very worthwhile. So then you're gonna have to explain to me like what's the difference then? Yeah. And and I you know I will admit that I'm not a very Savvy moviegoer, and I miss you're a lot fine. of things. You're, but it's not, but I'm not, but you know, this is my issue with when people will be like, "Oh, these great Christian movies, like uh, uh, Bella or something," that everybody's like, "This what? is the best." You're, and then I watch it, and I'm like, "This is like wah wah." This is just, I mean, it's nice, but it's very predictable. And like, why can't Christians make a better movie? You know, that portrays Christians well. Why can't you do both? Well, Right? And to me, that's my question for this one. Is like, why couldn't you do both? Now, I hadn't considered that the montage scene was not showing what actually happened. Well, I think that, yeah, because if if you just start making fun of it a half hour in, (laughs) we definitely did. (laughs) I'm not saying that you need to like this, you know, again. You know, there are at least half of the nominees that I prefer to this, but um, (laughs) yeah, and and you're not wrong. I just think that there's 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 more here to that you should give it credit for. Yeah, no, I I I can (laughs) I can see that you've gone into more depth. I mean, and again, I don't dis. This is a fine movie. It's a sweet little movie, and if I had saw. If I had seen it as a just a movie to watch over Netflix or mm-hmm. I guess this is Apple Plus right. and and had had that context yeah, instead of this, I would have been like, oh, such a sweet movie, a little predictable but super yeah. sweet. Yeah, so, I mean that's the that's the double edged sword of winning Best Picture. Is I have to say have though, to, of the ones we've watched, I'd put this as last. Um, I wouldn't. What would you um, put? I, put I, I think Dances with Wolves was better than this. No, I put this ahead of Dances with Wolves. I just wouldn't no, because I the Buffalo scene. The Buffalo scene was awesome. No, <laughs> the Buffalo scene was awesome. I mean, I, I, I think that this is just more. It's more cohesive. I think that every every okay, every I can see that. Conventional pop plan it has is tied into these very specific characters. And leads towards this theme of the subjectivity. Not, you know, obviously it's not, I'm not saying that that's deep, but I think that's interesting and it brings us closer into the characters, more empathetic. And, and just to describe what I'm thinking of, another movie that I liked, but we disagreed on a little bit with the, the King speech, if you look at those conventional moments of storytelling beats, when they have their um, 
points of conflict that just seem to come out of nowhere because it's, it's the time of yeah. the plot for them to have a conflict. It's, you know, you feel what you're supposed to feel in that moment, but it still, it doesn't tie you into that movie because the all of a sudden he thinks, oh, my teacher is, my my vocal teacher is... Uh, um, yeah, uh, but I can think of that one example. There's maybe two or three examples in that when I could come up with eight in this movie. Eight examples of that? Okay, oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's Workshop. do <laughs> No, I, I, this is a conventional movie, but every conventional part of it is, well, somewhat is predictable. I mean, what does that mean? Not like any movie that's about a love story, it's either they're gonna come together or they're not, and so it's predictable because you can tell this is the sort of story where the couple's gonna come together. <laughs> predictable is not a bad word. Uh, uh, I don't, it's, it's again, should it have won Best Picture? I don't think it should have. No, I mean, it got the most votes, but it got the most votes, and I'm not just, an election denier. Yeah, but I I do think I think the reason it won is because all the actors were deaf, and that's not necessarily no, a back a bad thing. Yeah. I that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that's why. I mean, I don't know what. Well, I don't. Know, it's be. it's hard to say because well, let's. And I thought they were about, great. They were all right. like. I yeah. was like, and wow, that's, what, that's even. There is a big like when the nominations were. Announced, I was kind of expected to get nominated, but not like it, it's just it's not a contender. It wasn't, and then it just seemed to kind of gather momentum until the ceremony and others just favorites faded. Um, but you know, we've been talking since we've been talking about this, we've seen. Uh, going through the Best Picture winners, we've had movies with up to 13 nominations. I think mm-hmm. the lowest was seven or eight. Uh-huh. Coda came in with three nominations. Four. Four. Best Picture. Best Picture. Best Screenplay. And oh, can you guess which actor was nominated? Um, the or Dad? Actor. Yes. The Dad was great. Yeah, Troy Kotzer. Yeah, he was, yeah, so he was awesome. It, it ended up winning all three of those. Oh, he did win Best yes. Actor? Okay. He won Best Supporting Actor. Okay, um, Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, yeah Will, he, I thought he was great. Will Smith, obviously. I liked the son, too. Oh, he was great. I yeah. liked the whole dynamic of the family. I I liked it. They're sitting down at the well, table. Well, that's what it's about. <laughs> that's what the movie, like everything the movie's I, about. Except, here's the thing. That's how I am with Titanic, funny. too. I like so much about Titanic, except for the stupid. Since 1997. <laughs> except for the stupid, predictable love story parts but, but of it. It's predictable. I guess I don't. That's a trigger for me. Leslie and Butter Company. That's not as predictable. I mean, you shouldn't no, be able to predict that, that specifically. I mean, well, really? best screenplay, no. best original screenplay. No, it's adapted screenplay. It's adapted okay. from a. It was a. a but what was the award film. for? Best, best adapted screenplay. Best adapted screenplay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I have no idea what that means. I mean, I know what that means, but. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah Power of the Dog went in with twelve nominations. Dune got ten, uh, but yeah. So this was. Yeah, this was 
tied with licorice pizza for the least nominations of the ten. So where would you put it? You would put, you would put it. Would you do of the ones that we've watched? Would yeah. You, I, where, where would you put it? Chicago is definitely better. Uh, Hamlet, which is better. Burner. Wings. Those are all better. Those are definitely better. Yeah. yeah. Um, My Fair Lady. I mean, that's flawed too. I mean, they're, they're I'm not saying flawed. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I put it around that area. I mean, I think I, I definitely have it better than this. This was the one that's on the last Emperor. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I break it similar to around the, that Argo, My Fair Lady range. I mean, that's not, you know... Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, it's not... I like Dargo better. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, And My Fair Lady, but I'd put it in with... um, Maybe above Dances with Wolves, because it doesn't annoy me. Dances with Wolves annoys me. Yeah, again, you might feel differently had you not... um, you know, if you had seen it before it won, or yeah. if you hadn't been watching it with Mean Girls. <laughs> just Adam is a mean girl? Ooh. You're just figuring that out? <laughs> no. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, that's... Um... Yeah, so, okay, well, we'll just leave it at that. And that I would put that as much lower down of the ones that we've seen. Uh, but probably but similar to where you would put it. Yeah, and I don't it really. A lot of this list is consensus, and I just think like we, it's hard to tell that after a year or six months. So yeah, I, agree. I, I think that this ranking will change a lot in ten years. Yeah, either, I do too. Especially if ninety percent of. That's viewers are seeing it as a best picture winner. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'll move it's down funny. the list, but I don't think it'll be it down might. near the very bottom. Okay. I think it'll be 72. It is the shortest title of the best picture winner, Tiger, okay. Argo, and Gigi. Okay. Um, and Gigi is from 1958, which we are going to get. Number 58. We're going to see what we're going to do. Okay. Yeah, now you can see it better. I know, I can see it on our new setup. Oh, well, we have to make a prediction. I I see it down for you. Oh, mine are. That should be pink. What? Oh, mine are gray and yours are pink? No, mine are blue and yours are pink. Gray. Yeah, okay. It's supposed to be pink. Oh, I get it, boy and girl. Oh. All right, what do I think is going to be next? I've got Kramer versus Kramer, mm-hmm. Ordinary People, Nomadland, and Birdman. I don't think that. Oh, and Marty. Oh, yeah. I think that's good. And you have Ordinary. No, you've got yeah. Patton, Gladiator, The Artist, and American Beauty. Uh, I'd like to second. Oh, and you can't take it with you. Yeah. Hmm. And you have to come up with a new one now. Too, I have to come up with a new one? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, oh, there's a lot of good movies on here. Um, I'll say An American in Paris. I've never heard of that one. You've never heard of American in Paris? Oops. <laughs> Makes okay. me feel like that's not a very good guess. 
It's a guess. <laughs> I'd bring them up. Yeah, it's, I'm not sure exactly where that's going to rank. Okay. So I am going to... This is only partly to deprive you of the pleasure of picking it yourself. Okay. But I think I'm going to go with Titanic. Just oh, nice. Uh, I don't. I, hope I, I still think it'll be like the artist and some of the others will come up next. But I'm thinking, you know, Titanic was, you know, open to such a claim, and then it got a, a serious backlash, and then it seems did to it have get a backlash? Gotten, oh, it got a really serious backlash, and then like a, a kind of a resurgence or a counter backlash. So I think that's oh. all going to end. Okay. Uh, even out to like a middle. Oh, I felt like I was the only person. No, that's, you're not unique. <laughs> that's such a brother thing to say. I'm going to pick... Titanic. Titanic. Oh, I hope it's not Let's Titanic. Let's see. 58. Gandhi. Gandhi. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to wow. see Gandhi. Okay. Me too. So we will be back uh, next week to Was, talk about... What, what year is Gandhi? 1982. We still haven't done any 70s. Oh, so no, no, the 80s is now the first decade to go below half. And we only have four movies from the 80s after this. Wow, that doesn't make sense. The 80s were great. Okay, well, we'll talk about that next week with Gandhi. Gandhi. You've seen it before? Uh, yes. Okay. I believe so. I always say yeah. that, but... All right. Signing off.